Hi everyone. I know you're expecting my normal introduction, where I welcome you to the Equosity podcast. I'm going to be doing that. Dominique and I are about to start a conversation about a subject we haven't talked about very much, and that's resets. But before I get to that, I have a fun announcement. I am publishing this episode on February 1, 2024, and that just happens to be the publication date of my newest book. This isn't another horse book. This is the second book in the Kenyan Bear series. The title is Edgar, The Bear Who Wanted to Be Real. You can order the new book from my website, theclickercenter.com, or get it from Amazon and other online booksellers. I'll tell you more about the book at the end of the podcast, but I know you tuned in to hear the conversation and not the announcements at the end. So we'll jump in right now with our normal introduction. Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. So, Dominique, we are recording this in the middle of January. There's finally snow on the ground, yay. And before we get started, I just want to make a quick shout out and mention to something that happened this past weekend to one of the people who we've had on this podcast several times, and that's Lucy Butler. Lucy and her partner run an animal sanctuary, and they're down in Rhode Island, and they had all this weird weather that we've been getting where we've had extreme weather patterns throughout the country, and their farm was flooded. They had one of those 100-year floods where the river went up something like nine feet above normal levels. And so a good portion of their property was flooded out. And I just, you just really feel for everybody who's had that kind of impact in their property. All of their animals are safe. They got them up into shelters. If anyone is interested, they're a not-for-profit. It's a, it is a sanctuary. You can just look up River Haven sanctuary for more and and perhaps send them a little donation to help them rebuild. And and it does raise this isn't something that we necessarily need to talk about today, but it does raise that question for all of us, which mm-hmm. is are we prepared mm-hmm. for whatever the disaster of our you know area tends to be, whether it's I know for you up in Canada it was the fires this past summer. They didn't reach down into where you are, but certainly more and more people have been affected by fire. Yeah, but the the smoke was here. Smoke was, you know, yes. like Bonanza is very sensitive. Uh, his respiratory system is very sensitive, and he's been worse this year, uh, respiratory point of view. And, you know, I wondered, if because it started in the summer uh, this year that he started coughing more. And I wondered if the fires, because they're outside, so right, I wonder right. if the fires had anything to do with it. Well, and we certainly, sure have a lot of power outage, so we, we're pretty yeah. prepared for that. But 
I don't know if we can ever prepare for the kind of catastrophes that we're seeing all over the place. No. It, it's like all the husbandry. We always say, oh, we should be prepared. We should be prepared. And it yeah. seems we've never prepared enough. Right, because what, what are you preparing for? You know, I, I suppose in some areas it would be, you know, does my horse load on a trailer? Do I have that, a quick access to a trailer? Should we need to evacuate from a fire? Should I need to evacuate from a, a hurricane, a flooding situation? And then these these unexpected things that happen, you know, you're not expecting a hundred year flood. You're not expecting mm -hmm. the water to rise over nine and a half feet. You know, it's, it's just one more thing to worry about is what it is. Yeah. You know, with all the things we have to worry about, it's another mm -hmm. thing we have to worry about. And, and I guess part of the answer to all of this is what we talk about a lot, which is training. You know, that the more you've built the relationship, the more you've put the training in so that if you say to your horse, please, 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 today is the one day where you really do have to load onto a trailer, the horse yeah. will say, oh, okay, I will load mm -hmm. onto the trailer, that sort of thing. And so it will break your relationship with you because you have a big bank account of positive interactions. Yes. With horse. Yes. So, so the one time where you do have to force them in an emergency situation, it will be a little with withdrawal, but no. Uh, yeah. Or maybe you don't even. You're not to, in the red. Yeah, you don't have to force them because you've built Well, maybe that. not, yeah. 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 So what are we going to talk about today? Yeah, well, a lot of what I want to talk about is inspired best by last weekend's coaching session. But I just want to tell you something before. You know, those coaching sessions, they're transforming me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I don't look at my videos the same way. You know, I, I'm I'm really on the lookout now for balance and I see the difference it makes for the horse. So I'm it's like I'm really starting to get it, you know. <laughs> I was watching a video of me with Woody the other day. So I was asking him to cross his front legs using a target. Okay, so I was kind of in front of facing him at an angle a little bit. I was using my target, you know, to the right for him to cross to his left, I guess, and then to the left. And, and the placement of my target was forcing him to put his weight forward. And so the habit that we have in the coaching sessions of really looking at, you know, little, little segment, frame by frame, rewind, look again, rewind, look again. So... You know, I'm I'm finding this really useful because now I'm doing this with my own videos a lot. Yeah. And I can't help it now. You know, I'm always looking at if my horses and I are in good balance. Wow. We've corrupted yeah. you. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> there's so there's no go there's no going back, is there? Because once you there's see no, it, you can't, no, there's you can't no going back. It. Yeah. But at the same time, it's really helping with the with the training because, of course, you know, it's always easier when we ask them, you know, if the placement of the target is not right for them, it's going to make everything more difficult. You yeah. know, and as a matter of fact, in the coaching session, there was a nice example of this because someone was working with the mini trying to do some body targeting. 
And yeah. she had good eye targeting to her hand and ear targeting to her hand. And she wanted to teach the horse to target his his um, elbow or his shoulder, shoulder. Yeah. on in her hand. But the way she was oriented towards the horse was not optimal. And you just suggested to her that she change her orientation, that she go more to the side of the horse. And so she the, she presented a different point of contact, kind of. Yes. And it really helped, and it worked out, because she wasn't getting the target as well as she wanted. You know, he was leaning a little bit, but it went much faster when she was putting herself in that position and she was much more in balance herself too. Yes. Yeah. So I'm always now, I'm always looking at that and, you know, trying to see if I'm asking the right way with a way that promotes good balance. So I'm so, on a transformation journey. Very, very deep. So, I, so before we dive into what we covered in the coaching session, let me just sort of briefly explain what these coaching sessions are, because not everybody is going to be that familiar with what we've been doing. So I have a series of online clinics, and I have really decided that teaching clicker training online is very much the way to go rather yeah. than trying to hold in-person clinics. Especially much as I love, yes, because much as I love the in-person clinics, there are drawbacks to them. And one of the drawbacks, several, one of the drawbacks is the horses have to travel and not all horses are ready to travel. And when we're yeah. talking about training, clicker training, we want to train, we want to train well. And that means we want to train in environments where the horse can be comfortable. But if a horse yeah. is feeling stressed because he's been yanked out of his familiar environment, put on a trailer and hauled off to a setting he doesn't know, you could be doing the best training in the world, but you're going to be working, you know, you're going to be working against the tide because the horse is going, I want to go home, I want to go home. Yeah. So when you do the online clinics, you can train, you can, especially when you're introducing the horse to clicker training, you can be working in ideal environments. And then when you do want to travel, you're traveling with a toolbox that can go with you. So you have a horse that understands mats and head lowering and basic leading and, you know, and targeting, et cetera, et cetera. It has this repertoire that you can draw on to make it easier for the horse to be comfortable going places because going places is fun and it's part of, of horses. And the other great advantage of the online clinics, one of the many advantages, is that they're ongoing. So with an in-person clinic, you know, I get on an airplane, I fly to your area, we have a wonderful weekend, everybody learns lots, we have a wonderful time sitting at lunch and over dinner in conversation, we work a lot of horses, et cetera, et cetera. It's a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And then I get on a plane and off I go. And because airfare is so expensive, especially these days, it makes the clinics more expensive. And it also means that I can't turn up next month and the month after. No, it'll so, be like, see you next year. Yeah. So you don't, we don't have that ongoing connection mm -hmm. with the horses. 
Yeah. With the online clinics, you have this this background material that you can work through and refer back to and look at again and then move on because it's a series of eight clinics. And then once a month, we have the coaching sessions where people can get together online and we've got a core of regulars. So I think right. people are really beginning to, to know one another, which is really fun. And, we're, yeah. and, we, and we get to see, we get to track horses over time. So yeah. you get to watch the changes in the individual horses, which I think is really inspiring. And we can we look at video and because the in the coaching sessions, the videos are coming from the participants, it means that every coaching session is different. You know, it's it's what we cover is is different every month. And we're watching often we're watching somebody who's just joined in in the clinics where they're starting on the foundation work. And we're also watching somebody who's been, you know, clicker training sometimes for years. And the work is becoming much more nuanced and sophisticated. And what's always fun is to see the connections between those two. So the coaching sessions and the videos that you're referring to are these clips that people have sent in to me through the month and where I have sent them back feedback and we've talked about what what I'm seeing in the video, make suggestions about some of the changes that might be useful, such as just changing the orientation of your body when you do the body part targeting. And so, you know, that can be a simple suggestion. Sometimes they're much more complex things that that we go through in the emails. And then a few days before the coaching session, I gather up all the video that people have been sending me and, and and put it together in a way that connects the different horses and where there will often be a theme or a concept that runs through all the videos that we look at together. And so it's really exciting to me to hear that the, these coaching sessions have been really useful for you and that they are having a very real impact, a uh, very positive impact on the way that you are seeing your training, the details that you're looking for, you know, how you use, and you've always used video. You know, we've talked about that. Yeah, I've always used video, but I wasn't looking at that. You know, I wasn't looking at balance before. I was looking at all kinds of other things, which were also important. important. But, yeah. and in a way, you know, it's it's good that this happened here because, you know, I have a lot of the foundations of the, the science and how yes. it works. And so now it's a plus. Definitely, I'm seeing that it it's changed my way of looking at things. That's and neat. it's changed my training, of course, because... Yes. Yes. I make adjustments so that there is more balance in the work. Oh. Balance is everything. You know, <laughs> it is the core pillar. Emotional balance, physical balance. It is that central pillar around which everything organizes. It makes for cleaner loops. Yes. It's more elegant. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting to see. I want to get into more of the... 
all the lateral work because we're kind of getting into that now because the group, the cohort is starting to explore it. Yes. And so I guess we'll be talking about that more and more because more and more people in the group are exploring it. And it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and yes. I'm just getting into the rope handling course too. So I'm I'm there as well. And so, you know, I hope people will find it interesting because we're going to talk a lot about teaching our horses to go sideways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so one of the things that came up during the, the session that I thought was really interesting was resets. Yes. Yeah, so resets are more and more important in the lateral work, you know, use it to, to use. And you were saying, you know, resets, they're like a do-over. It's a way to yes. go back to the starting point so you can try again. But if there's something that you felt was not what you were looking for, but then you, there was all this discussion about the importance of not using them as a correction. That you need to teach the resets before you use the resets so that they're just another dance step and they're not perceived as a correction because the only time you're resetting the horse is when you don't like it, you're going to delay the click. And so the horse will perceive it as a correction. And so you want to talk about that a little bit, how to not make it as a uh, correction and res just... Resets are really important uh, because they do allow you to rewind back to the beginning mm -hmm. and to do it over. And so you can think about movement cycles, you know, that the movement cycle is a series of behaviors performed one after the other that has a discrete beginning and an end. And that when we do use a reset, we are rewinding back to the beginning of the movement cycle and saying, okay, let's do that again. Rewind back to the beginning of the movement cycle. Let's do that again. And depending upon how reset is presented, you could easily imagine becoming really annoyed and resentful of resets. You know, think about, oh, trying to learn, I don't know, playing the piano. You've got a grumpy old piano teacher and you start mm -hmm. playing a series of notes and the grumpy old piano teacher says, no, no, that's not right. Do it again. No, right. no, that's not right. Do it again. And pretty soon you're going to want to throw something at the piano teacher and you're going to hate practicing and you're going to hate having lessons because it just feels it feels punitive if it, it doesn't feel fun it doesn't feel enjoyable at all and mm -hmm. I you know with so much of the groundwork so much of the leading and so on I always refer to it as a dance we're dancing with our horses and dance should be something that's joyful and fun and that you want to do and and there's certainly, as you're learning the steps, that you might want to go forward a couple of steps and then rewind that back to the beginning and go forward a couple of steps and rewind that back to the beginning so that you're really clear in the balance. And I always think of the sort of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and that, you know, that how just extraordinary and effortless those dances appeared. And of course, there was an enormous amount of effort put into the learning of them. 
And I first encountered resets when I was I was looking at Fatima Drummond's work and she would be schooling a horse and she would ask for a shift of balance and the horse would begin to take a step and then she would immediately have the horse shift its weight back to a, you know, the, a starting point and then try again. No, I didn't like that. Now try again. No, I didn't like that. Now, ah, there you picked up your shoulder the way I wanted. You may now continue. And mm. when I first saw those, I had no clue what I was looking at. Mm. You know, it was very mysterious. I was fascinated, but I didn't really understand it. One doesn't, there's, there's no way that you would just right off the bat understand what was going on. And she would talk, you know, she might ride for half an hour and then spend two hours dissecting every weight shift that occurred in that ride and why she liked this and didn't like that, accepted this and was fall, you know, he's falling on his shoulder. And I'm thinking, what do you mean he was falling on his shoulder? He looked like he was floating on air. And then I would watch what I would think of as regular horses, the horses that were in the boarding barns where I kept my horses and ordinary horses. And I would see them falling as they moved. You could really see, you know, that's heavy on the forehand and every stride the horse is really pulling down on its shoulders. And I would think, oh, that's what she's talking about. You know, it was that whole example, non-example. And I needed the extremes of watching a regular horse, the horses that that most of us are familiar with, horses that are not well balanced and that do pull down on their shoulders. And then to compare that to a horse where when when she's saying, oh, he was pulling down on his shoulders, it's like by, what is it, a, a milligram, a micromilligram, a nanogram of weight that she's de detecting. But in any event, it, you know, I slowly started to figure out what the resets were about and how to use them and how to teach them so that you can ask a horse to say you're at a standstill and you're asking the horse to take a step forward. But because of whatever, the horse's balance or the footing or something that distracted him in the moment, instead of taking a balanced step forward, suppose he takes us, he falls a little bit into his outside shoulder. And because he's falling into his outside shoulder, it, you know, it, it can have a steamrolling effect where you, if you continue to take, to walk on from that moment of not being in good balance, then the next step is going to be out of balance. And the next step is going to be out of balance. And pretty soon the step after that is really out of balance. And your horse is knocking into you because he's so out of balance that he's crowding you. Not because he's a rude horse, um, but because that's where his shoulder balance took him, took him right into your space. And in the more conventional, traditional, non-modern, <laughs> in the not modern horse training, we would be getting after that horse. Oh, he's being rude. Rather than saying, oh, he's just out of balance. So if we could... Or he just overdid it, you know, trying to 
answer my request. Yes, you know, there are lots of- Overdid it, and we'll yeah. talk about that later, yeah. but he's really responsive to me, and he just overflexed, and now he's all over me, but yeah. we, I want to talk about that yeah. later. So if we could notice in that first step that, oh, you fell over your outside shoulder, you didn't start off well, let's just rewind that back to the beginning and ask again and and see if that comes out better. And if it comes out better, great, click and treat. And there's a series of still frames that I put together that's in the step-by-step -step guide in pictures book. And it shows Robin being asked to take a step forward. And as he takes that step forward, he falls through his outside shoulder and he leans down a little bit onto his shoulders. And so he, he overcurls in front. And in the illustration that's in the step-by-step -step book, I pulled the background out so that you can really see the shape of his top line and you can compare it to, across this sort of like this series of illustrations. And so as he takes a step forward, you can see curling. You can see that his pole in this frame is lower than it was in the previous frame. And so I ask him, I change my body orientation, and I ask him to back up. And, and so he backs up. He's at the start of the sequence again. And I could have clicked and reinforced him for the backing up, but this is a horse who understands the cha-cha. And we've built longer sequences. So I can ask for a longer series. So I ask him to back up and I ask him to come forward again. And when he comes forward again, he is still out of balance. He pulls down onto his uh, shoulders again and he's curling. You can see the in the shape of his top line in his picture. And so I ask him to back up again. He backs up. And then I ask him to come forward. Again, he's not coming forward quite the way that I wanted him to. I ask him to back up. And then I ask him to come forward again. And this time, when he comes forward, he's, he's lifting up. And you can see the change in the elevation in his pole, shape of his top line, et cetera. And I click and I give him the treat. And what's interesting is if you look at the three frames of backing, that were in the three sequences that preceded this, you can see that the backing is changing dramatically in each of these sequences. So that by the third sequence, the backing is just, it's like, whoa, where did that come from? Because he's he's got his rear end tucked underneath him and he's just, he's backing just, it's just really cool the way that he is marching back and really engaging as he backs up. So then, of course, when I ask him to go forward again, he can lift up his front end because he's got his hind end underneath him. And it was the resets that got him there. Now, for him, I don't get that feeling of, oh, is she, you know, will she never be satisfied? She's always correcting me. I try and go forward and she blocks me and it's just really frustrating. It doesn't feel that way because we've spent a lot of time teaching resets. So I, I've, I spent a lot of time asking him to go forward and back up click and treat. So he knows these sequences. He knows he does, the, the going forward 
if I redirect his energy, so when I ask him to go forward, he doesn't feel as though he's being blocked and kept from moving. He's just having his energy redirected. It's part of the dance. You're cha-chaing forward, and now you're cha-chaing back. And, it, and one is not uh, better or worse than another. It's just all part of the dance, and it's taught that way. And I think about this in terms like with dogs, where you're walking along and the dog surges ahead of you and the dog gets gets stopped. And that could be a correction. It could so easily be a correction from the dog's point of view. Oh, I wanted to go forward and now, you know, she's jerking on my lead and she's keeping me from, from going forward. Or if you spend the time to teach resets, it's all just on oh, dancing with my person, staying connected to my person. And with the horses, you know, everything is connected of to Of course, everything. you don't do this on the first day of spring when they want to go to grass. No, you don't. You, you, <laughs> you certainly are going to be thinking about on the, the first day of grass, this is a management issue. How am I going to manage this so that things stay safe and, and I'm not put into a dangerous or frustrating situation. But what I think is so interesting is when you think about resets, and we're, we're talking about resets and lateral work and this nuance of balancing. So you think, oh, well, resets are for later. You know, I'll worry about this later. And right now, I'm just, I'm just trying to get my horse to walk next to me, you know, basic leading. And he's crowding me and he's rushing ahead of me. And, and I just, you know, I just want basic cleaning. And so resets, you know, resets are for all these other people who are doing all this advanced stuff. And I'm not interested in, in all of that. I'm, I'm, I'm just a trail rider is usually the phrase that I hear. Well, when you start thinking about resets, we're teaching resets right from the very, very, very beginning lessons. So mm -hmm. we teach the horse to touch a target, mm -hmm. like in trees. And in that first loop, the target, you hold the target up where it's fairly easy for the horse to get to the target. You click and then you feed where the target was. So there's not mm -hmm. a lot of the horse having to move very much. He's, and then you put the target back up and he just has to stretch his nose out an inch or two and there he is touching the target. And then as that loop becomes clean, when the loop is clean, you get to move on. And not only do you have to move on, but you should move on. So one of the ways that you can move on is by changing the reinforcement process. So I change the reinforcement process by having the horse begin to back up to get the food. So I'm- so It's I'm, the food delivery that creates the reset. Yes, so, so the food delivery, you hold the target up, you click, but instead of feeding right where the target was, the food is presented a little deeper. If you have, say, a horse in a stall with a stall guard across the door, you visualize that. You're presenting the food on his side of the stall guard, for example. So the horse has to, at first he may just curl his neck to get to the treat. Pretty soon he's going to figure out, oh, I can move my feet. And then now you, you have a horse who backs up to get to the food. And what he's learning is the body language, the body language cues for backing. So that later, if you turn into him, he's going to back up and then you can click and treat. 
because he's already he's responding to the body language. He learned it from the food delivery. It's very sneaky. You know, it's a lovely example of sneaky training. Well, you have just introduced a reset. Right. So when the horse backs up, he's now several steps back in his stall. You hold the target up. He comes forward. He touches the target. You would like him to back up so that he is at a distance to the target so he can come forward again. And you are getting mm -hmm. that out of the food delivery. So we are teaching reset beginning in these you know, very early, early lessons. And that's one of the things that I so love about this whole everything is connected to everything else constructional training uh, mindset. Because you may think, I'm going to wait until I'm working on lateral work to think about resets. Mm -hmm. Well, by the time you're already you doing it, you're, yeah. And by the time, you know, if you wait, it's too late. Because if you wait too long, then the reset becomes a correction. If the mm -hmm. only time you ask for a reset. a reset is when you really need it because the horse is crowding into you, rushing ahead of you, losing his balance in a big way, then then you're using it to stop something that you don't like. Instead of building a better behavior, you're trying yeah, to stop. Probably the way you will ask for it will be different because you know, the reset that you were just talking about at the very beginning where we're just doing the simple targeting and with our body language, feeding the horse to reset him to the beginning of the movement cycle. I guess even that could feel punitive if you were doing it in a harsh way. But if you do it as a dense step, like you say, it's not the horse won't feel it's yeah, punitive at all. It gets him a treat. That's um, right. Yeah, and it's he has a step. We're just going, and you know, we've we've talked to before about the fact that you can, when you're teaching a behavior, you can either do the film strip, like yeah. frame by frame by frame, and so you're you're doing these little things, and you reverse, and you're doing it again and again and again, or yeah. you can do. I don't remember what it was in the analogy of the film. But so you could so do right. So so in in the the res the reset where you're thinking in terms of reversibility and you're building clean loops where you take you take a step forward or maybe you just shift your balance a little bit forward, click, re rock your weight back, reset, click, move your weight forward a little bit, click, rock your weight back to the beginning. So you're you're going over familiar ground as it were. In yeah. the film strip you would be saying, all right, let's imagine we're we're taking a video of a horse walking, for example, walking around a cone. And we're going to, as the horse takes the first step in that film strip, I'm going to click and then I'm going to feed so that I'm setting my horse up for the next frame in mm -hmm. that series of steps that would take him around the cone. So I'm moving progressively through a sequence rather than rocking back all the way to the beginning of the sequence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and they both have they're both strategies that have value and that I want my horse to be familiar with and comfortable with in terms of 
building out longer sequences where he maintains his balance. But even in something as basic as just walking with me, we will have resets. So when, when you are walking along and your horse starts to go a little faster than you are, which can easily happen because the horse mm-hmm. has a different stride length from your stride and he may not yet know how to match strides with you. So he's and maybe eager to get to wherever it is that you're going, turn out, grass, other horses, whatever. So he's starting to go ahead of you. And you want to be able to rewind that series of steps that took him out in front of you so that you can say, all right, here we are back together again. Now let's go forward again. And part of that, again, it's that the whole constructional training approach. One of the early lessons that we, that we have people work on is the backing in the square. And I think we've talked about backing in the square in this podcast before. We've certainly talked about it in the coaching sessions. And we've had some great, great video on the backing in the square. We've looked at a lot of the handling details and so on. And I should sort of just insert here that, you know, in these podcasts, I certainly do not intend these podcasts to be a substitute for the the books and the online clinics and so on. Because they, you know, yes, we're talking about the training and we're talking about details in the handling, but we're not taking you systematically through a training process, nor because it's all, you know, it's it's all auditory. There are no visual details here. So you could be thinking that you're doing it, you know, that you're doing exactly what I'm describing. Mm -hmm. And if I looked at the video, I would be saying, how about if you try this and that and the other thing? So, you know, in terms of the backing in the square, one of the things that you learn is that you can, by displacing the horse's head and neck away from you, as you ask the horse to back, it swings the hips towards you. And so the back end of the square teaches you how to steer the back end is what it does. And it introduces a core basic skill slash component of the reset where the horse has come a little bit too far in front of you, too far around you, and you're going to use the skill that you learned in the back end of the square to be able to ask the horse to straighten out his head and neck, and as it does, his shoulder balance shifts, and you can then ask him to back up, and he straightens out, and then you can ask him to go forward. And all of those elements are elements that you have taught him. So he's familiar with it. He's not going to feel resentful or puzzled or, you know, whatever other unpleasant descriptions you might want to associate with. My person is asking me to straighten out my head. I haven't a clue what she wants. Well, the horse does have a clue. He's He's gone through this pattern before. He's familiar with the pattern. He's been reinforced for it before. He's going to be reinforced for it here. And so, it takes it out of the realm of I'm dealing with a horse who's crowding me and I need to stop that crowding to I'm going to use a dance step that we're both familiar with to bring us back 
into connection with one another. And and sometimes the reset is for you. Yeah. It's because you it's not just it's not just that the horse did something. It's you want to try. There was an expression that I really enjoyed. I don't know if you said it during the coaching session. Maybe you did, but it just really caught my attention in the 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 summary that you send us after the the session. And by the way, the addition of the stills picture that you have you're now doing every time in the summary is really great. I love it because we can remember what we saw. So yes. you have all these pictures now in the summary. It's really, I really like it. But anyway, we were looking at, and maybe we should explain what this exercise is. We were looking at why would you leave me? Oh, yes. So I don't know. Well, I'll so, just tell what really caught my attention. Yes. And then maybe we can rewind and explain the whole thing, because I think there's a lot uh, to be said about this exercise. And there's a link with the resets. But yeah, so you said that the girl we were looking at presented a different point of contact. Yes. And I really like the way, and, and it happens all the time. You know, when I was talking about Woody before, even with the targeting, you can you can present a different point of contact. Right. It's a different right. point of contact, whether you place it here or here. But in the rope handling, it becomes even more true in a way because you do go to a point of contact and then you wait there for something to happen. But if the point of contact that you present is not optimal, you want to reset. Do it yes. again so that you can present another point of contact. And in this case, the handler was going to extend her arm and present the point of contact because her horse was kind of over flexed and kind of crowding her. And so she presented the point of contact with her arm extended and then the horse was perfect. Yes. But I, I really, this idea of presenting a different point of contact for me really resonated. It, it really hit home. But this this exercise, I think, because there's lots of resets in this exercise, why would you leave me? And I don't know if we've talked about it. I don't think not that much, I think, because there's a very interesting image that you present to people when they're doing this exercise, because in a way it's a targeting exercise, but there's no real target involved. Right. There's an Im imaginary box. Do you want to talk about that right. a little bit? Because so, I find this image really, really helpful. But of course, I'm going to make you wait until next week to find out what Dominique is talking about in the Why Would You Leave Me lesson. There are so many things that I want to emphasize and share with you from part one of this conversation. First, I hope you are intrigued by the online clinics and the coaching sessions. Dominique just mentioned the summary that I create after these sessions. Everyone who is signed up in the clinics has access to these summaries. I posted the summary from the December 2023 coaching session in my website, theclickercenter.com. You can go to the website and pull down the drop-down menu in the online clinic section, and you'll see the link to the summary there. So you can 
see the sorts of things that we cover and how extensive both the coaching sessions and the summaries are. We pack a lot into the three-hour session, and there is a tremendous amount of good material that sits in these uh, online clinics. I know many people wish they had a coach or a clicker training group in their immediate area. Well, in a very real sense, you do. That group is in your computer. You really can get the individual help that you're looking for using my online clinic format. There's something else that's exciting that I want to share. I told you at the start of this podcast that I have a new book out. I just published Edgar, The Bear Who Wanted to Be Real. This is the second book in the Kenyan Bear series. I love children's books. When I want to relax and escape from the concerns of the day, there is no better way than to slip through the wardrobe or down a rabbit hole into another world. I don't want to be faced with the wrenching horrors of our grown-up world. Wars, economic injustice, climate change, and the ever-present debate over politics. That all needs our attention, but sometimes it is restorative to set these aside and to go adventuring. I love to read, but I also love to write. I let the characters I meet in my own stories surprise me. So I don't set out to write a story with a scripted beginning, middle, and end, or with a particular lesson that I want to teach. When I train, I listen to my horses, and I follow where they need to take me. I use that same skill when I write. When I first brought out the Kenyan Bear books in the 1980s, we were just beginning to dip our toes into the digital age. I was able to use the typesetting computer at the State University, but compared to what we have now, it was so primitive. Nowadays, the formatting software lets me see the layout on my computer screen. The typesetting I did for the original books was all done blind. With coding, I would guess at how the typesetting was going to look. So, for example, when I wanted to wrap text around an illustration, I couldn't see on my computer screen what it was going to look like. I simply had to guess. And I'd send the coding off to the university, and a few days later, I would pick up a scroll. Yes, it was literally a scroll of text. And I would unroll it, and it would always roll up again. And I, I felt as though I was back in the age of the Greeks and Romans writing on papyrus. But I would get out my scissors and glue and paste the text and the illustration on storyboards. And the storyboards were what they sounded like heavy-duty cardboard with two pages per board. And when it was all done, I had a stack of storyboards, which were then sent to the printer. It was a slow, tedious, expensive process. My goodness, how things have changed. Now, everything is digital. I can tweak the layout and tweak the layout again, and, and I can tweak it endlessly. There are no storyboards, no scrolls of typesetting, no cut and paste, except electronically. The world has changed. We have modern horse training, and now we have modern book publishing. And I'm using that to bring out what is essentially, in many ways, 
a very old-fashioned children's book. If you loved Paddington Bear and the C.S. Lewis Narnia series, I think you will enjoy the Kenyon Bear books. And I think in this fast-paced world where there's so much bad news assaulting us, I think something that has a little charm, a little magic, a little whimsy, is actually just what children need right now. Last April, when I published my new horse book, Modern Horse Training, you helped to make it an Amazon bestseller. Help me now to make Edgar, the bear who wanted to be real, a best-selling children's book. You can order it from my website, theclickercenter.com, and you can also order it from Amazon. And if you live outside the U.S., ordering it through Amazon is really your best option because you save on the international shipping. But however you order it, I look forward to your reviews. Your support of these books is a great way to say thank you for this Equosity podcast. So until next time, train well and have fun with your horses. <laughs>